We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to Overnight America. Yes, you know when you hear, have a point, it's Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. Thanks for staying up late with us tonight. You know, we're going to have more fun tonight than humans should be allowed to have. We've got lots of things lined up for the next four hours. And, of course, it's not really Overnight America unless you're involved. So even though we've got a couple of interviews lined up this evening, uh, if we're not doing interviews, phone lines are always open, 314-436-7900. And even during the interviews, you can always text us at any time, same number, 314-436-7900. Also, to, uh, to get the last thing out here as far as contacting us, uh, if you want to send me an email, I get emails during the show. I get emails the next day at my office, at my law firm. Anytime you want to send me an email, love to hear feedback from listeners. Be young at harrisdowell.com, H-A-R-R-I-S, as in Sam, D as in David, O-W-E-L-L. That's my law firm, Harris, Dowell, Fisher, and Young. But tonight, listen, you get to hear an attorney for four hours, and it only costs you your time. That's it. That's all it costs you. Not the 300 bucks an hour that I'm normally charging, but gratis, free, you just get to enjoy four hours of overnight America. Some of the topics we're going to dive into tonight as the show unfolds, lots of topics. First of all, listen, I'm a nerd. I'm, I, I'm happy to admit that I'm a nerd. And I've been watching, and maybe you have too. Have you been watching what's going on on Mars? I mean, it's crazy. We've got not just a rover up there, but we've got a helicopter now that flew for the second time today the, the rover flew or rather the helicopter flew about 15 feet up in the air did some maneuvers took some color photographs we haven't seen those yet but uh, they, they'll be downloaded tomorrow we'll get to see them tomorrow and uh, uh, and also the Mars rover perseverance it made oxygen based upon using materials only found on Mars. So, obviously, the point of this is that uh, future missions to Mars, they can make their own oxygen. How cool is that? Uh, it won't be like uh, 
Did you, did you ever see uh, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where they're true? That's not true lies, but the one where they go to Mars and, uh, and you know, their, their heads explode and they're dying because there's no oxygen. Well, there'll be plenty of oxygen if we can make it from the resources on Mars. So, uh, so that's going to be in the works. I just wonder if now we're going to see protests about this Mars rover because of, hey, look, it's causing global warming on Mars right now. It's causing global warming. It's putting carbon monoxide into the atmosphere. It's increasing the oxygen content. It's going to be warming the planet. I mean, right now it's like, uh, you know, 100 degrees below zero. But after this this Mars rover runs around, it might only be 50 degrees below zero, which constitutes Mars global warming. We need, we need to protest this. And uh, I'll probably be organizing a protest on Twitter any day now. So <clears throat> make sure you watch out for that. Also, uh, taxes. You know, I know taxes, they're, they're, they're not sexy to talk about. But one of the things that's been a problem with taxes for the last few years has been Internet sales. So you've got, if you go to Walmart and buy something at Walmart, you got to pay sales tax. Of course you do. Everybody knows that. Target charges sales tax. But if you order something online, a lot of times no sales tax is charged if the product is shipped in out of state. Well, it looks like Missouri is finally going to be embracing the taxation of Internet sales. And the question we're going to dive into later in the show, is this a good idea? I mean, should we be taxing Internet sales? You buy something on Amazon, do you really want to pay taxes? Of course, nobody wants to, but is it a good idea? So we'll dive into that. But my favorite my favorite story of the day, you know, I, I love – these stories like UFO stories, I mean, I never believe them, but but the but Bigfoot, there was there's gonna be a documentary series starting on it's on Hulu, it's gonna start next week, and it's gonna be talking about Bigfoot, and they're gonna be explore <laughs> they're gonna be exploring topics like is Bigfoot just a myth invented by pot farmers? Well, you know, that's probably that's probably a story I can embrace. I mean, there's there might be some truth uh, to Bigfoot being a, a myth invented by marijuana farmers. Or the other topic that will take up several shows on Hulu is, is Bigfoot actually a serial killer who's hiding in the woods? Uh, yeah, I don't see that. So we're gonna we're gonna look into that. But uh, uh, the the other interesting news of the day: uh, prosecutors in New York City say they're no longer going to be convicting people for prostitution. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure that some people are cheering that news. Other people may be sneering at that news. But really, it just shows a trend overall in our country uh, if we're going to look at the decriminalization of prostitution. We've got all kinds of other stories in the news. But, of course, the main story this week has been almost wall-to-wall Derek Chauvin and his conviction uh, on all charges uh, this week in Minneapolis. And while I'm not going to dive into that, what I am going to talk to is after this break, we're going to talk to uh, a St. Louis criminal defense attorney, because one of the things that people have been asking me about is how does intent factor into criminal activity? And how do you defend against cases where the prosecution has to prove the intent of the person who is the defendant? So we're going to talk to a criminal defense attorney here in St. Louis to talk about how that works in the state of Missouri. 
And again, if you want to send us a text, 314-436-7900 after the interview, phone lines will also be open. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. Stick around. Earning St. Louis's trust for 96 years. This is KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for the vacationing Ryan Recker. Ryan should be back on either Sunday or Monday night. Uh, But in the meantime, I get to sit in the big chair here on Overnight America. Hey, with all the discussions this week about the Derek Chauvin conviction, you know, most of the questions that I've received have been focused really on how and why intent makes a difference with murder charges. You know, because he, he was convicted on three different charges and there were different levels of intent. And even the manslaughter charge that he was convicted on doesn't require any intent at all. So I wanted to talk not about the Derek Chauvin case, but but about how that applies to criminal charges right here in the state of Missouri. So joining us this evening is criminal defense attorney Neil Brentrager. Hey, thanks for joining us on Camo X. Brad, thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have your expertise here uh, this evening on Camo X. And your your law practice is focused on criminal defense, right? That's right, Brad. I've been practicing law come this September 40 years. And like my father before me, I started out as a prosecutor. Uh, my two brothers were prosecutors. My sister was a prosecutor. My nephew was a prosecutor. My brother-in-law was a prosecutor. And my two sons have both been prosecutors. I'm seeing a trend here. A I'm, I'm seeing a trend. <laughs> Right. To us, that was a form of public service, but it was also kind of triple A ball for us, Brad. Sure. So we would we would learn how to hit the curveball, and, and then we moved on after a few years and moved into private practice, and I've been doing that ever since. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on this evening to get a perspective, both from the side of the prosecution and the side of the defense, not so much talking about Derek Chauvin, but talking about how these issues impact uh, uh, criminal issues here in the state of Missouri. So, you know, I, I haven't seen this much interest in criminal defense law since uh, since O.J. Simpson famously tried on the leather gloves. Uh, so we're, we're really going to talk about using that Derek Chauvin case as a springboard to discuss how criminal law works in Missouri. So just like we saw with, uh, with Derek Chauvin's case, murder charges in Missouri are also based on intent, correct? That's correct. And what we see is, in, in fact, this applies to all criminal charges, not just murder. But what we see are essentially four different categories of what we call intent. And sometimes we use the Latin word mens rea, which you and I haven't used since law school, Brad, right? But again, <laughs> exactly. we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about intent. And, and it's a, a descending scale. On the top of that scale, we have this word purposely. That is the most, uh, that is the, that is the most difficult thing to prove. And typically we would see, say, for instance, a, a, a premeditated murder, a murder first degree will include uh, that phrase purposely. We then come down to the next level, which is knowingly a little bit below, a little bit easier to prove, doesn't require quite the same level. And, and we use the word knowingly. Now, that's going to be that sort of situation where, uh, again, you've engaged in, in, in some conduct that you knew would have a certain result. OK, so we see that in murder second cases, again, a lesser offense of murder first degree. And then we move down into recklessly, and below that we have criminal negligence. And you use the word manslaughter. Manslaughter generally tends to fit into the categories of recklessly or um, criminal negligence. 
And so, yeah, we, we have exactly the same framework that, that, that they have in Minnesota. We have this thing called the model penal uh, code, which applies to all states but, uh, but Louisiana. And, uh, you know, again, what, what we've tried to do is make this uniform across the United States. But it's the same thing here as we saw in Minnesota in terms of those, those categories. Well, when you talk about intent, it se- seems like judging another person's intent could be extremely challenging from the perspective of a jury or a judge. So, so how difficult is it, Neil, for Missouri prosecutors to prove intent in Missouri criminal cases? And, and how do they even develop evidence to demonstrate intent? How does that work? So there's, there's two ways you prove it. One is by what we call direct evidence. And that would be something like a confession or, to, or an admission, where someone says, clearly, I did this and I intended to do it. All right, that's, that's simple. That's direct evidence. The other is what we call circumstantial evidence. And in most cases, what we're dealing with is circumstantial evidence. And that is evidence from which we can infer certain conclusions. And so what I mean by that is, you know, again, I may not have someone who says this is what I intended to do, but I have a witness who saw, you know, let's take a murder case again. Mm-hmm. I see somebody take a pistol, load the pistol, go outside, deliberately point it at someone and fire that weapon. Now, no one said this is what I intended to do, but it is reasonable for me to infer from that that, that he had the intent or she had the intent to do what it is that they're charged with. So, again, in those situations, it becomes circumstantial evidence. But look, what you've hit is, is really the heart of, of, of what the system is about, right? It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy for a jury to make these decisions. We count upon jurors to come into a courtroom and use their common sense. We count on them. And again, we give them direction. And, and again, the, the things that I described earlier in terms of the four categories of intent, you know, we give them written definitions that they can mm-hmm. utilize. And of course, we ask them then to rely upon the evidence and apply the evidence to the written instructions or definitions that they've been given. And so it's not easy. But again, it's something that we have to have. It is, it is service that we must have. And uh, it's what makes the system work. If we don't have jurors uh, coming in and doing these things, the system falls apart. But look, let me let me dispel any ideas that it's simple. It's never simple. Even in the Chauvin case, which we just saw, as as clear as that evidence and as compelling as that evidence was, the jury still had to sit down for 10 plus hours and, and figure out what it all meant. That's what we asked them to do. Yeah, you, you talk about jurors being so important. You know, for years, and I'm sure you had this this too, Neil, but I've had people would come to me and say, Brad, I've been picked for jury duty and can you help me get out of it? I, I want to get out of this. And, and I always give the same speech. I always say, listen, you're bright, you're smart. You're the kind of person that if I'm on trial, I would want you to be a jury member, um, not just the only people who are left or those who can't figure out how to get out of jury duty. I want, and the system needs intelligent, bright, and thoughtful members of a jury, and uh, it, because it's critical to the system. It is one thing that we ask people to do as a public duty uniformly across the United States, and I couldn't agree with you more. It is absolutely our public duty to do it. I do it, Brad. When I get called up for jury duty, I go and I sit. Now, I've never been picked, and I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've been sent into a few rooms here and there. People kind of roll their eyebrows, but you know what? None of us should be above this. This is a duty we all have, and so I go and I do it. And, and again, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It is an absolutely essential public duty that everyone should do. As boring as it may seem, yep. you know, again, it's one of those situations where if you don't go and you don't do it, then the system fails. 
system fails. Hey, we're talking to criminal defense attorney Neil Bruntrager, and I know that every case is different, but but how do you as a defense attorney, how do you challenge the evidence that we've even been talking about here this evening uh, that prosecutors point to in order to demonstrate the intent that you've described this evening? Well, in order to do anything that would even begin to rise to the level of a challenge, the first thing you have to do is you have to be better prepared than the other side, right? Mm-hmm. You have to know the evidence better than they do. And then what you look for, or you look for alternatives to the, the inferences that, that are being offered by the prosecution. And you do that in a variety of ways. You challenge perhaps the testimony, the recollections, uh, the veracity of the witnesses who are testifying, what we call impeachment, Brad. That's a word we use all the time. We challenge the testimony to make sure that what it is they claim they saw, they actually saw. You look for inconsistencies in the facts. You look for inconsistencies between witnesses. You know, you do those things that that would basically dissect the prosecution's evidence and and try and reconstruct it for a jury in in a way that uh, that, that explains what happened in, in, in a manner that is acceptable to them. And sometimes, sometimes you don't necessarily attack what they're claiming happened. You simply provide another explanation for why it happens. So something, for instance, like self-defense. Self-defense is a situation where you're not denying that, you know, for instance, you use deadly force or that, that you may have killed someone. But you're saying, look, I did it for a purpose, and here was the purpose, and I think that that was justifiable. So, again, you look for anything. You look for everything. You have to make sure that that the person that you're representing is going to get that fair trial. Hey, we're, so, we're, we're talking to criminal defense attorney Neil Bruntrager. Hey, Neil, can you stick through the break? Because this is a fascinating discussion. I've got some more questions for you. If you can spare just a few more minutes, I'd like to carry this conversation uh, through this break. Is that okay? Sure. Glad to, Brad. Fantastic. Hey, again, we're talking to criminal defense attorney Neil Bruntrager, and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. Don't go away. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 10-15, sponsored by Bath Fitter, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. And with all of the discussion of the Derek Chauvin case this week, I wanted to talk about just kind of a a 101 course on how criminal law works here in Missouri. And there's no one better than criminal defense attorney Neil Brunt-Rager. Hey, thanks for hanging with us through the break, Neil. My pleasure. You know, we saw in the Derek Chauvin case that that the prosecutors added the manslaughter charge, kind of at the last moment, it was gone, then it came back. But in addition to the other murder charges, and I guess my question from a tactical perspective, do prosecutors sometimes add manslaughter charges when there's at least the potential issue with proving uh, a higher level of intent? Yes, and, and that is common practice all over, and really in all types of offenses, not just murder. But actually, the Missouri Supreme Court has made that pretty easy, because now in a murder case, it is, it is routine for the courts to do what we call instruct on all of the lesser and included offenses. So if I've got, if I'm starting with the murder first, I'm also going to see an instruction on murder second and manslaughter and involuntary manslaughter in Missouri. So again, that, that's a common practice. But the, the reason that people do this in other kinds of cases where there's not necessarily a mandatory uh, instruct down is because you never know. You know, again, it, jurors may have a problem with whatever it is you're trying to prove the intent was. And if you give them only one choice, mm-hmm. if it's just black and white as to that one offense, they may say, well, you didn't prove this. So if it had a premeditation aspect, for instance, and you know what, I just, I don't feel like it was premeditation. It may have been spur of the moment. It may have been heat of passion, but it wasn't premeditation. If you give them only that one choice, they may, they may say, no, it wasn't that. So, so again, you bank against it. You yeah, bank so tactically, against it and you instruct down. Right. So tactically, they're, 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 if they didn't add those charges, the prosecutor runs the risk of a complete acquittal. He does. And that's, and again, that's an interesting question that they face. Now, what really is the interesting part of this, and a lot of people don't think about this, Brad, is that that is often more of a problem for defense counsel than it is for a prosecutor. Why is that? Because I may, well, I may feel like I've presented a wonderful defense to the greater charge, but I've got exposure on the lesser charge. Now, do I then ask for the lesser offenses? And again, it's a real problem. Now, you know, Mm -hmm. again, you're taking a risk. And that risk is not with the lawyer. That risk is with the person you represent. So, of course, you never make those decisions without involving your client and letting them tell you what to do. But it often is a real tactical question for the lawyer. And that's one of those three o'clock in the morning questions. (laughs) Do I submit the lesser ones or do I just go with what they've charged with the idea that if they've only faced that, I might be able to beat that one? Yeah, fascinating. The stuff that wakes you up in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, there's another unique aspect of the of the Derek Chauvin case, and that was the the clear and convincing video evidence, really that just showed the act in question. So, whether we're talking about the the prevalence of cell phones or even the the presence of security cameras, from your perspective, Neil, how is technology changing the nature of criminal defense law? It's changed it completely. And, and they are. They're ubiquitous. Whether it is a camera, whether it is a security camera or a phone, whatever it might be, they are everywhere, Brad. And you just have to expect that the video is going to show up. At some point, there will be a video. And what's interesting 
is the jurors now expect videos. So there is there is an opportunity there in those instances uh, as 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 defense counsel. There is an opportunity to suggest that there is perhaps incomplete evidence if we haven't seen the video. Mm-hmm. Juries watch a lot of television. People come in with expectations. You know, it's it's the CSI ex- expectation, right? Where I've, I've seen that, you know, we're always going to have DNA, right? We're always going to have <laughs> fingerprints, right? We're always going to have, have cell phone video, right? Well, the answer is wrong. We don't always have those things, okay? But jurors expect them. So as counsel, one way or another, you better be prepared to either explain what, it, what the video actually is or why you don't have it or why you don't have fingerprints or whatever it might be. So, again, it's, it, technology has changed dramatically, and that has changed the expectations of our juries. We're talking to criminal defense attorney Neil Bruntrager, and another question that, that have, has been asked of me a lot lately, and you probably get this question as well all the time, probably at parties, but how can you, and this is the question as it's phrased, how can you defend someone who is obviously guilty? That's the question I get all the time. But, Neil, from your perspective, why is it so important to make sure that, that the government upholds its burden of proof to proof beyond a reasonable doubt? Well, Brad, it, the, the answer to that question is it's really easy to represent somebody who's guilty. The hard person to represent is the person who's innocent. All right. And again, I always start with that. And then I always move to what is really the point here is that, look, who gets to decide that? If somebody mm-hmm. says to me, how do you represent this guilty person? They don't get to decide. The only person, the only people that get to decide these questions are juries or a judge if you've waived a jury. So no one is guilty until somebody has signed a verdict form that says you are guilty. Until that happens, the Constitution says unequivocally that an accused person enjoys the presumption of innocence. It is the bedrock. It is the pillar Mm -hmm. of our legal system. If you don't understand that, then you don't understand the system at all. So again, it's, it's that presumption. It is the right that we have that, that then compels the state to prove mm-hmm. that you are guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But that presumption means everything. So again, people who say, how do you represent a guilty person? Well, who gets to call that? Exactly. You know, again, and I, 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 I get right back on them when, when that happens and, and say, do you get to make that decision? And if that's the case, why do I need a justice system? If we can decide independently of the courts, then why do I need a justice system? So, again, it, 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 it's everything, Brad. And if people don't understand that, then they need to go back to Civics 101. Exactly. And, and I'm reminded of how people love to quote, and people love to say this to me, and they probably said it to you, too, when they quote the Shakespeare line from Henry VI, where the, the criminal in that particular Shakespeare play, Dick the Butcher, uh, he says, let's kill all the lawyers. But Dick the Butcher was was a criminal, and he was dreaming of what would need to occur for him, who he was a career criminal, what would it take for him to become the king? So really, Shakespeare, and I always point this out when I get that quote, but Shakespeare meant it as a compliment to attorneys and judges who who instill justice in society. So here, here's my question, Neil. If, if the government were not forced to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt, what might be the result of that lessened burden of proof? How would it affect us as a society if government wasn't held to that standard? It would mean tyranny. It would, yes. mean, it would mean the collapse of our judicial system. 
if and, and again, it becomes our job, Brad, as lawyers to make sure that that is never that never happens. We never, ever will allow them to lessen that burden. It is our job every day before the bar to make sure that we uphold the, 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 the appropriate burdens and we require each person who is in that courtroom to perform their duties. And, and in my 40 years, I will tell you that I have never seen a situation where someone has done something less, that, that everyone has done that. Now, there is a problem. There is a problem. And this is, this is a conversation that we're having across the nation today. And that is, does everyone get the same level of representation? And clearly people don't. Clearly. And, and the inequities that that has created are truly problematic. And it, it really does sort of tie in with what you've just described. Have we allowed the burden of proof to be lessened in some way, shape, or form? And it's something we have to be constantly vigilant of. We constantly have to, to make sure that we are, we are checking this and, and adhering to the standard. So it is, it's, again, getting back to what I said before, it's the bedrock of, of everything that we do. And if we don't have that, if we let that down, I mean, just think about it on a, on a, on a local basis. You know, in the municipality you live in, you have a prosecutor. If we don't hold them to that standard, if they can basically say, yeah, you probably did it, what happens there? Or on the county level or on the state level or on the national level. You know, there are any number of ways in which, again, we could impose a tyranny on people because we've now said that the government basically can do whatever it wants to do. The moment we stop fighting back, and that may sound revolutionary, but let me let me remind you that we began, of course, in, in a revolutionary manner. Yes, we did. And, and what we're and and of course, what we're doing is we're upholding these bedrocks that came to us from English jurisprudence. But it says it says that these are obligations that the government has, and lawyers, it's your job to make sure that those obligations are recognized and upheld. So that's what you and I do every day, Brad. Yeah. And again, I think it's important, and people often lose sight of it, but you know, that's just sort of the nature of things, right? It is. And not only did we start as a revolutionary country, but in large measure, we rebelled against this concept that the, that the government who has the power to put guilty people in jail for, with little or no proof, that same government would have the power to put innocent people in jail with little or no proof, which is why we have to, in the interests of preventing tyranny, to make sure that the government proves all cases, even for those who may be obviously guilty, and especially for those who may be obviously innocent. We're talking to uh, to defense attorney Neil Bruntrager. Hey, Neil, uh, I appreciate you joining us this evening here on Camo X. It's a fascinating discussion. And if folks, listen, if you've got some criminal defense needs and you need some assistance, make sure that you contact and reach out to uh, to Neil Bruntrager. He just briefly got disconnected. We're going to pick him right back up here in just a moment because I want to, to finish this conversation with Neil. Hey, Neil, we got disconnected there. I apologize for that. But, uh, but if folks want to reach out to you to get more information, maybe they've got questions about criminal defense issues, maybe along the lines that we've discussed here this evening, how can folks reach out to you? The firm is Bruntrager and Billings. You would get me or uh, any one of my, my various relatives that I work with, the brothers, sisters, brothers-in-law and sisters-in-law, sons and nephews. We're all together, and we're there cer- certainly to help people when they face these problems. Brad, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate your efforts to educate people on these issues. Hey, and what's your phone number if folks want to give you a call? 314-646-0066. Very good. Neil Brentrager, hey, thanks for, sh- for sharing your time with us this evening. We really appreciate it. 
It was my pleasure, Brad. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Hey, this is Overnight America with Brad Young filling in for Ryan Recker. We'll be right back. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. Hey, what did you think about that interview with Neil? And and more importantly, what are your reactions to the guilty verdicts in Minneapolis? I've got a daughter that lives in Minneapolis, and uh, she was kind of texting me updates as far as what was going on right before the verdict came out. And uh, she she told me that pretty much everything was on lockdown up there, and uh which was bad for her because she said, I, I can't even go out to get anything, any food. I got to cook my own food. I can't go anywhere. So uh, everything was shut down. But what's your reaction? And that's why I wanted to have uh, uh, Neil Bruntrager on because I wanted him to talk about the importance of representation, the importance of making the government prove their case. If you've got some thoughts, 314-436-7900, you can call or text. We'd love to hear from you this evening here on Overnight America. But the, but the important thing is, and I, I've had people tell me, you know, they thought that, uh, that that Derek Chauvin was completely innocent. I've had others tell me that it was it was obviously that he was guilty of something. And and so you've got the the big spectrum of how people saw that evidence. And it was kind of a Rorschach test, if you know what a, a Rorschach test is. That's, a, that's a, 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 an illustration that psychologists show people, and they'll show uh, the same illustration, which usually isn't an illustration of anything in particular. But they show it to you, and they say, what do you think it is? And it gives you insight into someone's psyche, into their beliefs, into their values. And I think that this was a nationwide Rorschach test, because you could, we all saw the same video. We saw exactly what the jury saw, and yet we saw wildly different uh, analysis coming from people on every end of the political spectrum. And so I wanted to have Neil on, not so much to talk about that case, but to talk about the, the, the criminal law and the defense law practice in general, because that applies to all of us whether we're a police officer or whether we're being pulled over for having an air freshener hanging from our rearview mirror. Now, that's not why Dante Wright was pulled over, d- despite the myth to the contrary. But you understand the point I'm trying to make. And he drove home that idea that a rigorous defense is important for all of us. Uh, hey, John, welcome to KMOX. Yeah, you know, your question was, how should people feel about this and whatever? Well, my feeling is is that our justice system works no matter about all the negativity and everybody says oh no i feel this was injustice or oh i feel he got what he deserved that isn't it our justice system worked Mm -hmm. the man was innocent till proven guilty he was proven guilty beyond a shadow of doubt he had a jury trial the jury found him guilty of all three counts so it does work and so to all the naysayers out there that say, oh, our justice system doesn't work, it does. This proves the point. It does work. And in order for our justice system to keep working properly, 
it takes people's involvement, Mm -hmm. getting involved, signing up, being on a jury, doing jury duty, doing your due diligence as a person in the community. That's what takes the justice. That's how we have civil justice in our our society. That's how we keep our society balanced. And that's how I feel about it. I, I feel the guy, he got, I mean, he was found guilty. He's guilty, period. I, I couldn't agree with you more, even though, John, I think that there were some procedural issues with the trial that the appellate court is going to have to sort out over time. Uh, I, I'm glad that the system works, that the prosecution put on their case, the defense gave a vigorous defense, and the jury of his peers came back and rendered a verdict. That's what's supposed to work in America, and uh, and I'm glad that it did. John, hey, thanks for calling in this evening. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mark, welcome to KMOX Overnight America. What's on your mind? Good evening there. Uh, just calling because contrary to what the previous caller was just saying and also part of what Neil mentioned a minute ago, the system is broken. It does work most of the time. I'll give you that. But it is a broken system. And the concept of the pillar of the innocence until proven guilty has collapsed. We work with a system of plea bargains that railroads people in. And I can tell you this because... I spent seven years in a federal prison for a crime I did not commit. There was a person out here on the streets who confessed to committing the crime that I did. or Well, that I was accused of, not that I did, but right. that I went to prison for. And it makes no difference because the courts want to ram things through. They use the plea bargain system. And I know this is way off the topic of the night. No, it's not. But We're good. It, it, it does fail. And it does have this system set up that does not give you that. I was not assumed innocent. I was assumed guilty from the get-go, and I was given no breaks. And even my defense attorney failed me, which I tried ineffective assistance, uh, ineffective assistance of counsel to defend that. But the courts didn't care. They had a conviction. Everything that I tried to do in any kind of appellate or anything was just summarily dismissed. They didn't want to hear about the fact that there was somebody out here confessing to my crimes that I was in there for. They didn't want to hear any of that. So there is a break in the system because it's all about processing numbers and it's an overloaded system. And these are problems that need to be fixed. The plea bargain system needs to be fixed. The burdens on the court. It it, it is Mark. Hey, I'm sorry. We're coming up on a hard break, Mark. Appreciate you calling in. Thank you for listening to KMOX. We're coming up on a hard break. So thanks for calling in. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.